Everyone got a sheet over here. On their uh, way out of the house of Lavan, Racha, of course, takes the Trophim. She takes the Avodah Zara uh, of Lavan with her. And the Zayar HaKadosh tells us over here, Ois Aleph, this week's parsha that as a result of the fact that uh, Rachel took the Trophim, took the Avodah Zara of uh, Lavan, that caused him distress. She was Mitzar him, and as a result of that, she was punished that she died Bechayah, and she wasn't able to raise her son Binyamin. Of course, Rashi offers a different explanation, that she was uh, punished as a result of the klala of Yaakov Avinu, who said, Whoever stole your Avedi Zari says to Lavan, you know, will not, uh, will, not, will not continue to live. And the klala schacham, even if it's, uh, even if it's mis, uh, misappropriated, nonetheless still has an effect, and that's what called, caused Rachel to die uh, early, prematurely. The Zari HaKadosh attributes it to the fact that she was Mitzayah, her father, uh, love him by stealing, by uh, seizing his Avodah Zarah. And even though she had the best of intentions in order to prevent him from worshipping Avodah Zarah in the future, um, nonetheless, she is punished uh, for doing so. And the implication, of course, of the Zarah is that even though Lavan was worshipping Avodah Zarah and she was attempting to, to help him and to rehabilitate him uh, from his, uh, from his uh, idolatrous practices, nonetheless, since she pained her father, she is punished. The implication, of course, is that one is obligated in Kibbutz Aviyim, even if a person's a parent is not, uh, is not observing the Torah and the mitzvahs, even if they're worshipping Avodah Zarah. There's a similar implication from Rashi, the end of Parshish Neach, which tells us about the death, uh, records the death of uh, Terach, Vayomas Terach Becharon, prior to Avram Avinu's departure for Eretz Yisrael. Even though uh, Rashi notes that historically he died much later, if you make the proper calculations, it's all of the years and everything. Why then does the Torah record his death prior to the departure of Avram Avinu Taratisa? Because otherwise it would uh, spe- speak negatively about Avram Avinu, that he's somehow abandoning his elderly father in order to make a pilgrimage to Eretz Yisrael and shirking his responsibility of Kibbut Aviyem, even though Terach was an Oved uh, Avod Um uh, nonetheless, Avram Avinu would have had an obligation of Kibbut Aviyim. So it's, again, the implication of this Rashi is as well, which Rashi is just quoting in Medrash, that even though a person's apparent is uh, not observing the term of the mitzvahs properly, like Terach, like Lava, nonetheless, one is obligated um, to, to honor them and to treat them properly, there is a, still an obligation of, of, uh, of Kibbut Aviyim. There's a similar implication for the Gemara Masech Lesivomis. The Gemara tells us that a mamzer is not permitted to strike his parents. Mishiyesh ben Potter if a person has a child of any sort, right, from a first marriage, um, and then the husband dies prematurely, the woman typically falls to Yibum, to his brother, that's assuming that they have no children, but if they have a child, any kind of child, um, then she would not be Zakukali Yibum, she wouldn't have to perform Yibum with um, a deceased husband's brother. What do you mean, uh, any kind of child? You know, Ben Mikomakom. So what is that coming to include? The Gemara says, La Suye Mamzer. Um, he's coming to include a mamzer, and this, uh, you know, is a child for all, it seems like, for all intents and purposes, in the sense that he's, uh, he's not allowed, he's put there, uh, his mother from Yibum, and he's not allowed to strike the father, he's not allowed to curse the father, or to strike the mother, curse the mother, even though he is a mamzer, which, uh, you know, in order for him to be a mamzer, they must have performed, assuming they didn't do so inadvertently by accident, they must have engaged in illicit, uh, you know, uh, adulterous activity, um, in order, you know, to create the situation of a mamzer. Nonetheless, he's obligated to honor, it seems, at least he's prohibited from striking um, his parents. It seems to imply that there is obligations of Kibbut Aviyem, even though the parents are not observing the term of the mitzvahs properly, like Terach, like Lavan, or perhaps they engaged in 
Gilei Arayis in the sense that, you know, in the way that, it, to the degree at least, that it produced a mamzer. However, even though from these sources it seems to imply that a person is obligated to keep it aviam, even if the parent is not the Shemitah in the mitzvah, so it's, you know, it's a Russia, in that sense, um, there is a Gemara Besetlis Bab Metziah that almost states explicitly uh, otherwise. The Gemara there is discussing if a person leaves over, if he passes away, ribis or stolen property. So the uh, Kamara says that the uh, child has an obligation to return the ribis, to return the stolen property, mishum kavod aviem, in order to honor the parents. So Kamara says, why are you obligated to honor the parents? But the Pasuk says in Parashas Mishpatim, menasi ba'amcha loisar, you're not supposed to curse the nasi, the prince, ba'amcha, of your nation, says the Kamara, ba'isa ma'isa amcha, if he does, you know, he acts like an upstanding Jew and he keeps the Torah in the midst. So if he's not there is no covet aviyam. So why are you obligated uh, to not only not allowed to, you will be permitted to curse the prince, but the Gemara assumes the same is true with regards to keep it aviyam. It only applies if he's if he's uh, keeping the Torah in the midst. If he's not keeping the Torah in the midst, there is no obligation of keep it aviyam. Why would you have to return his gzela that he stole or the ribis that he charged um, uh, that he charged uh, in violation of the of ribis? If uh, he's not Isa Maisa Amcha, to which the Gemara responds, well, there's always the possibility that he did tshuva. Um, you never know. Maybe he did tshuva before he passed away, and therefore you have to return the uh, return the ribbis, return the exile, maybe to help him with his process of rehabilitation, with his process of tshuva. But the implication of the Gemara is, if you know that it was not Isa tshuva, there'd be no obligation of kibbutz aviyim. Similarly, the Gemara says in Masechet Sanhedrin that Chizkiyah Melech um, did not perform kfuras hames on his father and Achaz. Rather, he was Gira Atzmos Aviv. He dragged them through the city square, on a bed of strings. I'm not sure what the implication of the bed of strings is, but um, he certainly did not perform a proper Kavadames in uh, the burial of his father. And Rashi explains that he did so in order to, everyone knew that Achaz was a Russia, so he did so in order to uh, give Musr to the people about how they should properly live their lives, not following the footsteps of Achaz, but rather. The footsteps of the Torah in the midst is, ah, what about Kibbutavi Aim? Rashi asked, but wasn't he obligated to honor his father and burying him in a pro- appropriate fashion? So Rashi says, no, that's only if he's Oysa Maisa Amcha. If he's not Oysa Maisa Amcha, then there is no obligation uh, of Kibbutavi Aim. So the uh, Gemara seems to state explicitly over here, Mesephus Bob Mitzia, there's certainly the implication of Gemara Sanhedrin, there is no obligations of Kibbutavi Aim if the parent is not Oysa Maisa Amcha, if they probably don't properly keep the Torah in the midst. That seems to contradict. The Zayar with regards to Lavan, the Medrash with regards to Terach, the Gemara Nivamis, the inhabitant of strike or hit a parent, even though the parent is engaging in Gilead Arias and produced a Mamzer, which seems to imply, you know, that, that there is uh, there is obligations of Kibbutz Aviyim, even though the parent is not keeping the Torah in the midst. We have the Gemara Bab Metzia, the Gemara Sanhedrin, which seems to limit the obligation of Kibbutz Aviyim only if the parent is Oisamai Samcha. Because of this contradictory. Uh, sources that we have pulling us in either direction on this issue, it's not surprising there is indeed a machlekes harishaydim uh, about it. The Shulchan Aruch over here, Simen Reish Mem, Sif Yudches, you know, precise, exactly, the language of the Rambam and Hochaz Mamrim, where the Rambam Paskins, Mamzer Chayev, over here, Oizvav, Mamzer Chayev, Bekovet Aviv, Moirav, Afil Haya Aviv, Rosh, Obal even though we know the father has not performed tshuva, um, he's obligated to honor the father, just like uh, the, he's quoting the Gemara, it's just like the, the moms are obligated to honor his parents, Mechabdo, Messiah, Mimenu, all of the obligations of Kivar Aviyem would seemingly apply. The Ramah quotes the Tur, 
who disagrees with the Ram. The only time you're obligated to do, do keep it up is if there's a presumption that he was uh, he performed tshuva. But if he didn't do tshuva and aviv rasha, there's no obligations of of keep it up So we have a machlekes rishayim, machlekes the shulchan aruch and the ramah had a paskin. The kids of shulchan aruch and others say that this is a machlekes rishayim. We should be machmir like the shulchan aruch. Even though the Ramah does quote the dissenting view of the tour, he doesn't do so approvingly. He doesn't give him any kind of endorsement. I don't know, there's a whole deal within the language of the Ramah, how to know how to paskin when he just quotes an opinion, but he doesn't endorse it. And the language that he uses is a whole, a whole tumult within the Paiskin. So many claim that the Ramah over here just meant to cite the tour, but didn't mean to endorse it, and therefore we should, in fact, paskin like the Shulchan Arach. However, the Arach HaShulchan writes, Rav HaChreinim, we're Mako, like the Ramah, like the tour. That if his father is a Russia, there's no obligations of Kibbutz Aviyim. But it's not a matter of set, it's not settled law because there are those who always feel bad as Machlekes Rishayim, Machlekes perhaps in a day raisa where they're obligated to, uh, to Kibbutz Aviyim. Regardless to a father is a Russia, so there are always uh, those who are who continue to raise the issue. Maybe there would be obligations of Kibbutz Aviyim even if the father is a Russia, even though it seems to be normative. Halacha would follow the tour and would follow the uh, would follow the Ramah. What does each one of the Rishonim, though, do with the contradictory sources? There are conflicting sources about this issue. What would the tour do with the Rambam's Gemara and Masechtis Yavamis? The Gemara said explicitly in Yavamis, oh, we had the Zayar HaKadosh. Rachel was punished for stealing the Trophim of Lavan, even though she, he was worshipping Avay Dezara, and she was trying to take away his Avay Dezara so that he wouldn't continue to worship Avay Dezara. She was punished. She died because she wasn't Zayichet to raise Binyamin because of the pain that she caused her father. Why? But he was not Isa Maisa Amchos. So according to the tour, there's no obligation to keep it out of him if the father is a Russia. What does he do with the Gemara Nivomis and a Mamzer can't hit his father? And what about Rachel who caused pain to her father and therefore was punished? So uh, the Chida in his Pesach Enayim, Babakama, gives what I think is an obvious answer. And that is that there's a difference between failing to honor one's parent or the obligation to honor one's parent as opposed to causing them distress, causing them pain by hitting them. Even if you're, there's no obligation of Kibbutz Aviyem, one would not be permitted to strike the parent who's a Russia or to cause them unnecessary uh, distress. And that's what the Shulchan Aruch himself writes, Simen Reish Mem Al of Sif Hey, quoting a Gemara Mesech the Sanhedrin, that if a, fa- a son becomes the Shliach Bezin to give Malchus, he's, let's say, he's the guy, he's the, you know, the one who gives Malchus and Bezin, he's the executioner or whatever for Malchus, and the father, you know, committed an Avera for which he's high Malchus, and the son, you know, ends up being the one who's assigned to give Malchus his father, he's not permitted to give Malchus his father, even though the father is a Russia. Perhaps he hasn't done Shuvah. Nonetheless, he's not allowed to strike the father. Avera, Avera. You're not allowed to strike them. So, even though there might be no obligation of Kibbutz Aviyem, it wouldn't permit the child to strike the father unnecessarily. Now, of course, if he's, you know, defending himself, and we'll get to that in a second, you know, a few minutes, that's a whole different story. But if he's just, you know, unnecessarily so, striking the father, causing the father distress, that would never be permitted, even according to the tour. So, even though there might be no obligations of Kibbutz Aviyem to cause the parents distress unnecessarily, be prohibited. And that's why Rachel was punished too. She stole the trophim of Lavan, who, you know, necessarily appointed her to be the one to give muster to her father. So she's not obligated to keep it up necessarily, but she's causing her father distress, causing him pain. Um, that, that perhaps for that reason, uh, she was punished. So maybe the tour could sidestep some of the sources, at least, by saying there's a difference between Kibbut uh, Aviyem as opposed to striking a parent um, or, or causing the parent uh, distress. What would the Rambam do, though? The bigger problem is for the Rambam. Cheskyo was really more than just a... Well, he failed to bury his parent. No, it's distress. He treated his father, Derek Buzayim. 
That supports the Torah. The Torah says there's no obligation of right, Kibbutz Avim. You say, I don't know if that's Disney. Really, that's Tsar. The father's not here anymore. I, we talk about the Inyanim that it's Mitzar, the Mace, and uh, I love how I mess, you know. Yeah, the Yeah. 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 yeah, but he wasn't yeah. alive anymore. I don't know. It's hard yeah. to speak about Tsar and Bamaka Aviv after he's dead. Yeah, but you're exactly hitting on the point, as usual, Baron, on point. So, but over here, what does the Ramam do? The Ramam is a bigger problem. What does the Ramam do with the Gemara Baba Metzia, the Gemara Sanhedrin? The Ramam says there is obligation to keep it Aviyam, even when the father's a Russia. Look at Lavan, look at Terach, look at the Mamzer. He's obligated to be Machabit's father, even though the father is a Russia. What does the Ramam do with the Gemara Baba Metzia? The Gemara Baba Metzia and Sanhedrin limits the obligations of keep it Aviyam only if it's Oisa Maisa Amcha. So here, Nimaram Shik has a comment. Nimaram Shik has Shuvis, but he also has commentary on the Sefer Mitzvah. So, Nimaram Shik's comment on the Mitzvah of Kibbut Aviyim, Nimaram Shik explains that there's a difference between Bechayav Ule Achar Moisai and many Achreinim uh, follow in the footsteps of the Maram Shik. That according to the Rambam, there's an obligation to be Machabit a father who's a Russia, only Bechayav. La Achar Moisai, after he passes away, even the Rambam would concede that there's no obligation of Kibbut Aviyim. Uh, if the father was a Russia, and if you note, know, as Rabbi Aaron just mentioned, the Gemara Bar Metzia, the Gemara Sanhedrin are talking about not Bechayev, it's talking about returning Gzela, returning Ribis, after the father's passed away. Chizkiyol Melch was out with Achaz, was after he passed away. After he passed away, there's a difference there, there's no obligation of Kibbut Avim if the father was a Russia while he's alive. That's what the Rambam means. There's an obligation to keep it Avim, even if the father is not uh, even if he doesn't keep the Torah and the Mitzvahs properly. And that is not discussed by the Gemara Bab Metzia, by the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Why should there be a difference, though? Why should there be a difference between Bechayav and Ule Achar Moisai? So perhaps the reason why there should be a difference. Isn't there a difference even by father's matter of no, there's an obligation of Kibbutz Aviyim Lachamoisai. There is. Sure, sure. yes, yes. So, well, you you can't bring him a cup of water. He's not here anymore. But yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. The Gemara discusses it. Yeah, we're gonna get to one second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to your point. We'll get to your point. Exactly. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you said. You know, there's a there's a vaday. The parent is your biological, right? And there's always a possibility that they could have done... Oh, so if, you, if you're going to go with that approach, yeah. that's why some say, maybe the Rambam agreed with the Torah, there's no obligation of, of, of Kibbut Aviyim on the father who's a Russia. But the Rambam was always afraid with the optimistic view of right. humanity. Maybe the father did Shuvah. So many Mepharshim and the Rambam actually say that, that the Rambam is only talking about, even a father's a Russia, is only an obligation. If you have to be afraid, maybe the father did Shuvah. If you know he was, you know, unrepentant, then even the Rambam would agree. There's no obligation of Chuba. But it doesn't seem to fit in the language of the Rambam. The Rambam should have said that. He doesn't say that. If you, the, the Shulchan Aruch, of course, the exact language of the Rambam, he makes no stipulation that it's because maybe he did Chuba. It, it would be a little bit Iker Chasim and Asefer. He should have said that if, that, if, that's, if that's the case. Anyway, but getting back to the Rambam, why should we distinguish between Bechayov, where the Rambam maybe you know, says there's an obligation of Kibbutz Avim, the Father's of Russia, as opposed to Lacha Moisai, where the Rambam is going to have to concede that there's no obligation of Kibbut Aviyim. So perhaps the answer is, because I mean, Chaskinok has a fundamental Chakira, his comments on Kibbut Aviyim and Parshish Yisrael, what is the nature of Kibbut Aviyim? Is the nature of Kibbut Aviyim a mitzvah ben Adam al-Chaveroi? Your parents did so much, uh, you know, for a person as he's, uh, you know, as he's maturing, as they're raising the child, it's almost, you know, undescribable how much uh, every parent does for their child. The child has no idea. 
Um, you don't realize that, of course, you get to the other side of the hill, but uh, you know, the parents do so much for their children, it's not surprising that a child, of course, has an obligation of, of, uh, of hakaras hatoiv, you know, to reciprocate that which the parents, in some small measure, at least to, 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 to recognize that which the parent did, did for them. And do, you know, um, but the way that we do so is through the mitzvah of kibbutz aviyam. So in a certain sense, maybe it's benad v'chaveroi, to reciprocate or to at least recognize the, you know, kind of hakaras hatoiv for that which the parents did for you. But perhaps there's another element to keep it aviyam, which is not benad but rather because the Gemara says over here Mesechtes Kiddushan on Laman of Beis over here Oitzches the Gemara compares Kibbut Aviyim to honoring Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kabedes Avicha Vesimecha but the pasuk says in Mishlei Kabedes Hashem Meihoincha similar language or Ishi Moi Vaviv Tiro you should fear your parents as Hashem Lekecha Tiro but you should fear Hakadosh Baruch Hu so it seems from the psukim that they're comparing the honor, the fear that we have for our parents with that honor and fear that we have for our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And the Gemara here is, uh, comments, Hishva Av They are compared because there are three partners in the creation of every human being, the mother, the father, and the Rebbein Shalalam. And perhaps by honoring the one's parent, one is really honoring the partnership. So by extension, you know, by proxy, and, but through honoring uh, the parent, he's really honoring uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in that sense, perhaps Kibbut Aviyem is not a mitzvah, not only a mitzvah that's Ben Adam Lamakim, uh, Ben Adam Chaveroi, maybe it's a mitzvah that is Ben Adam Lamakim, between every person and the Rebbein Shalom. Because by honoring the parent, you're honoring the Rebbein Shalom. It seems that this is in fact, Machlekes Rishonim, the Ramban in his commentary on Parshas Yisroi, over here, Oistes, notes, Kibbut Aviyem appears in the right side of the Luchas, in the first five of the Aseris Hadibras. The first five of the Aseris Hadibras, the Ramban writes, our obligations Ben Adam Lamakim. It starts out with the Rebbein Shalom directly. Then not cursing, then believing Hashem, you know, not taking a false shvua, taking Hashem, Kaddish Baruch name in vain, Shabbos, and keep it aviyim, which implies the Ramban says there's some sort of progression over here. But they're all related to our relationship between you know a person and Hakadosh Baruch So keep it aviyim fits within that. A framework and seems to be Bein Adam Lamakim. At the same time, the Rambam in his Parashat Mishnayos Masechtas Peah explains that there's two categories of mitzvahs: that which is Bein Adam Lamakim, that which is Bein Adam Chavero. In the examples that are Bein Adam Lamakim, the Rambam brings Tzitzis Tefillin Shabbos of Edezara. In those mitzvahs that are Bein Adam Chavero, the Rambam brings Aina, uh, Sinah, Netira, um, you know, hating and uh, taking um, revenge. And honoring one's parents. Who kaved hoyrim? The last few words. The kaved hoyrim chachamim shem avos hakal. That that's also included in Ben Adam Lechavero. So we have again perhaps the different approaches within the Rishonim. The Ramban seems to say, well, it's on the first side of the Luchos, the right side of the Luchos. That seems to imply it's Ben Adam Lamakum. At the same time, the Ramban you know categorizes it as a Ben Adam. Um, as a Ben Adam Lechavero. I think this ties into a very controversial issue, particularly as it relates to. Um, um, abusive parenting, which we'll get to in a few minutes, is what if the parent makes requests of a child that has nothing to do with the parent's care or, you know, with the child's relationship <coughs> with the parent that has to do with the way the child leaves his life outside of the confines of the parental home? Does the parent have any kind of uh, you know, uh, jurisdiction outside of the dynamics of their relationship one with the other. So the Rashba and Bomitzi over here, Oisid Aleph, writes, no, that, that's not included within the um, purview of Kibbut Aviyem. If the father says to the child, you know, I, I don't want you doing this or that, but it has nothing to do with the parent, so then the Rashba writes that the, fa- the child would have no obligation to listen to the parent. And this is quoted by the Ramah, not in the name of the Rajbam, in the name of the Marik, who really is just echoing the same sentiment. If the father doesn't like the girl that the son is marrying, the son is under no obligation to listen to the father, assuming the father's not paying. If the father's paying, then you might have an obligation to listen to the father. 
Um, but assuming you're out on your own, so then there is no necessarily obligation to listen to the father. It doesn't relate to the fa- father-son relationship. This is uh, between the son and his and his uh, intended. And, huh? There's another exception where it's the to the family. Oh, we got that in a second, yeah. But but typically, uh, lots of different implications of all this, but typically the son is not obligated necessarily to listen to the parents. It's beyond the jurisdiction, beyond the purview of, <laughs> of Kibbut Aviyem. However, even though that's the Rajban, the Marik, Rabbi Kiva Eger, and the Sefer Al-Makna, um, Masechus Kiddushin disagree, and they say, no, one of the obligations of Kivit Abiyim is not to be saiser, not to contradict the parent, uh, what, the parents, uh, what the parent told you. The parent says this, you shouldn't, even if the parent's wrong, shouldn't contradict the parent. So if you say, the parent says, don't do this, and you say, no, I'm not going to listen to you, I'm going to do it anyway, so Bikiva Eger says, no, then that's violating the instructions of the parent. The parent told you this, and you're contradicting the parent. It's one of the uh, obligations of Kivit is not to contradict the parent. So over here, by not listening to the parent, aren't you contradicting the parent? So I, I think everyone would agree, um, many claim like this, that if you don't contradict the parent, I say, yes, yes, of course, and go and do otherwise, <laughs> okay, then that, uh, everyone might agree that you, have, you, you don't have a, an issue on your hands. But why should one assume um, that Kibbutz Aviyam is limited to the parent's you know, child relationship? Uh, and why would one suggest, as Rukhi Vega and Sefer Makna seem to imply, that it goes beyond just their direct relationship, even things that the father or, you know, the, the parents command or instruct or request that the child do, maybe should also be included in Kibir Avim, even though it has nothing to do with their uh, personal interaction. So I think it hinges upon this issue. If it's Beinot Mechaveiroi, so then we understand why it's limited to their interactions and things that the child does on behalf of the parent. If it's, as an expression of a karasatoid, if it's, though, uh, you know, it's a kind of benadam lamakoim kind of uh, implications, then perhaps one can understand that just like a Kurdish Baruch who commands us to do things, we're not obligated to, you know, to, 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 um, to obey. So, so too, with regards to the parental relationship, one might perhaps take that kind of uh, impression um, as well. It, it seems, though, that Pigado, there really are two elements to keep it aviyem. Both are correct. We have, of course, you know, this uh, relationship with a parent that speaks to our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. If you honor the parent, by extension, you're honoring a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And there are, of course, elements of Hakaras HaToiv, of all that the parent did for the child, and one is obligated to recognize that by honoring and by respecting um, the, the parent. So there seems to be both elements. And this is reflected by the Gemara Kiddushin. Uh, yeah. You can make all these kinds of distinctions. I don't know. You can make that kind of distinction. I don't know if it has to be that. Um, uh, that. Uh, that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it has to be that. Uh, that rigid. But well, yeah. Biological parent, but put them up for adoption. Okay, we'll get, we'll get to your point. We'll get to literally two seconds. Give me a second, and we'll get to your point. I'm not trying to avoid it. It's a serious issue, particularly as it relates to children who are outside of the parental home. But the Gemara says in Masechlis Kiddushin that, of course, one is obligated to be mechabed as parent, b'chayav u'la'achar moisai. Even after a you know, parent passes away, which is reflected by St. Kaddish, sometimes perhaps uh, certain elements of Avelos, and the way that he speaks about the parent, and you know, sits in the chair, and all these things that are not only b'chayav u'la'achar moisai. There's no obligation to be another mechaveiro la'achar moisai. How can you speak about another mechaveiro la'achar moisai? He's not here anymore. That clearly implies that there's an element of kibravim that's been adam lamakim. However, of course, we know that Allah is a father whose meichlan is covered. Uh, so then, then he, you know, then of course he, he has the ability to forgive or to you know to to be meichol, uh, to forgo his covet to to to, to um, forfeit it. That's up to the 
the attitude of the parent. So that implies that there's some kind of interpersonal element here as well, that it's Beinah the Machavero, and therefore I'm in charge to the, define the parameters of Kibra Aviyam, which implies that it's Beinah the Machavero. And it seems that, in fact, there's both. There's both Beinah the Machavero and there's both Beinah um, the Machavero. But perhaps what the Ramam is arguing, getting back to the Maram Shik, is that Bechayev, there's both uh, elements, assuming that the father is Isa Maisa Amcha. If the father is Eino Isa Maisa Amcha, he doesn't keep the Torah in the mitzvahs, then he kind of severs his relationship, his partnership with the Rebbeinu Shalalim. So maybe then, Kibur Aviyem is limited to the Ben Adam Chaveroi aspect of Kibur Aviyem, because he's Eino Isa Maisa Amcha, so the aspect of honoring him is Kilu by proxy, honoring the Rebbeinu Shalalim doesn't exist anymore. He's not Isa Maisa Amcha, but you, there is. Of course not, so but therefore it shows it's been on the moment. There's both. Moment. There's both. There's both. Exactly. So maybe, but if he's if he's a Russia, he's then there's only an obligation of ben adam chaveru. Therefore, it makes sense with the maram shik distinguished that yes, according to the Ramam, you're obligated to honor a parent who's ben adam chaveru. That's only while he's alive, because at least you have the ben adam chaveru aspect of kibbutz aviyim. What if he passes away? You can't speak about ben adam chaveros after a person passes away. After a person passes away, there's only kibbutz aviyim. Out, you know, the side of oh, that aspect of Kibbut Avim that's been other than There is no been other than by this parent who's ain't no Isamai Sam. He severed his relationship with the Kaddish Baruch that honoring him by proxies, by extension, honoring him by Shalom. There's only been other than There is no been other than So perhaps that's why the Ramam distinguished. I think the Ramam goes to Shitos on another Ramam that's quite surprising. The Ramam writes over here. Uh, what about a gear? A gear who converts, is he obligated to honor his non-religious parents, or if the, uh, not Jewish parents, or if both, the whole family converts, but they converted as, if, you know, the, 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 the child wasn't born after the parents converted, they all converted together as a family. So the Gemara is a rule, Gershon is when a gear converts, he's like a newborn baby, he's not related to his relatives, you know, who he was related to previously. So is the Ger obligated to honor his parents who were Megaya or certainly his non-Jewish parents? So the Rambam writes, um, that he is not permitted to curse or to strike his parent, even after he converts. What the Rambam here is evoking, as the Gemara Masechus says, that after a Ger converts, he's not permitted to marry his relatives who is related to when he was a guy, even if they later converted. So let's say you have a whole family, extended family, they're all converted. He wouldn't be permitted to marry his sister. Um, even though they both converted, Gershon is dummy. Really, they're all like newborn children. No one's related anymore. You're not permitted to do it. Why? Because when he was a guy, he couldn't marry his sister. Because Goyim, this one of Shevim, Mrs. B'nai Noach, is our Gile Arias. And so it can't be that when he converts, he's going to be chiving less mitzvahs, less restrictions than when he was a guy. People will say, Bo mi Kedusha Chamura, you came from a guy where you had many Yisurims, the Kedusha Kala, to the weaker kind of Kedusha, more diluted Kedusha of being a Jew. We, we can't let that stand. So therefore, Midirabanan, they prohibited a Ger from marrying any one of his Kravim from his previous life. So the Rambam says, just like you're not allowed to marry Kravim, who you're related to, but you're obligated to honor your parents after you convert to Shlo Yemu, Bo mi Kedusha Chamura, Kedusha Kala. But was there kibbut aviyim by a ben noach to non-Jews? So Rambam says the Rambam here is telling us. Rambam says that this Rambam implies, and it's not Rambam's uh, observation. Many make the observation that the Rambam seems to imply that a goy is obligated to kibbut aviyim to his parents, but it's not one of the shem mitzvahs. Ben noach. We learn it. We learn it from 
Guy, we learned uh, how to treat your parents from a guy. The Gemara brings it. Well, oh, oh, I'll get to your point in a second. I'll get to your point in a second. Oh, so it sounds like according to the Rambam, there is an obligation of kibud aviyim even by a ben noyach. That's why a ger has to honor his parents. He's no longer related to them because it can't be worse than when he was a guy. And the Rambam himself says noyach by mixas covet. It's not just striking and cursing that's prohibited. He should treat them with mixas covet. In the language of the Rambam is curious why he says mixas covet. What's mixas covet? But either way, the Rambam seems to have there's an obligation to keep it aviyem by goyim by bnei noyach. How could that be? It's not when the shevim is bnei noyach. So much so, as Avi just noted, the Gemara says in Masechtas Kiddushin, the Gemara looks how far does keep it aviyem go over here. Ois tezvav. The Gemara brings the example of Dama ben Nasina. That we all know, he had one of the stones of the Chayshin, the family had, and the, the, the Anshay wanted to come and buy it, and they were offering an enormous sum, but the key was underneath the head of his father, he wouldn't wake up his father in order to make this sale, and because of that he was to have a paraduma, which was worth even more money, and the Gemara you know, editorializes at the end, if you get so much reward for Kibbut Aviyeh, a person who's not obligated... Uh, he's uh, he's uh, how much more so a Mitsuva will get reward will Christ will get reward for keeping keep it obvious. and the implication of the Gemara is states so explicitly Dama Ben Nesina was a Ben Noach is not obligated in keep it obvious. so how can the Rambam tell us that a Ben Noach is obligated in keep it obvious? and therefore the Rambam says that when a Ger converts he has to honor his parents just like he did when he was big Goyuso how can a guy be obligated to keep it obvious? the Gemara says explicitly Dama Ben Nesina did something that was extraordinary because he wasn't obligated to keep it obvious, and nonetheless he did it anyway so it's seems, you know, according to the Rambam, that we have to uh, distinguish uh, between the two elements of Kibbut Aviyim. The yes is true, a uh, Yisrael is having Kibbut Aviyim for two reasons. Number one, because um, by honoring the parents, it's by proxy honoring the Rebbe There's another element that's Bein Adam Lechaveroi. And the Rambam feels that that, that element, that's Bein Adam Lechaveroi, that applies to Bnei Noyach too. What Dama ben Nesina did was extraordinary. That goes above and beyond Ben Adam Chavero. The father probably, hopefully, would have been happy if the son would have woken him up to make such a sale. So Midine ben Adam Chavero, what Dama ben Nesina did was, was beyond the call of duty. He wasn't obligated to do that. That kind of keep it the aim of not waking up the parent when he could have made, you know, a windfall of money, that only makes sense if Kibbutz Aviyem is Ben Adam Lamokon, because otherwise the father would have certainly been Michael, unless he's deranged, but certainly would have been Michael to make such a sale. So it must be that he was operating with a different Geder of Kibbutz Aviyem that was Ben Adam Lamokon. That's what the Gemara says. That a guy is Eino Mitzvah Viyaisa. He wasn't obligated to do that. That's a different Hagdar of Kibbutz Aviyem. And that's what the Rambam means. He's a guy is obligated to do Mixas COVID, a little bit of COVID. Only they know the Mechavera. Only a guy could be Mechavera's father by, by taking away a prophet. <laughs> by taking away a prophet. <laughs> that's not a Yiddish to keep it up. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, good, very yeah. good, very good, very good. But maybe that's what the Rabbah means. Again, distinguishing between these two elements of Kibbutz Aviyam. They both apply. They're both, they both exist. And that's what the Rabbah means by a guy is obligated in Mixas COVID to a Goyish parent or a Ger when he converts to his, uh, you know, to his uh, biological parent. Obligated in the... In the, in the I'm sorry, when, when, he, um, when he converts, obligated to write to his biological parent who also converted, is a kind of kibbutz aviyim that's only the ben adam lechavero. Because even though he's not related to this individual, they did so much for him. How could he not express hakaras hatoyf? So that's what Moshe explains. Even if a person converts, he, the person did so much for you, how could you not have hakaras hatoyf? And the same is true with regards to you know, any person who acts as a parent towards this child and invests heavily in the, in the, in the, the, uh, the rearing of the child, one would be obligated to keep it aviyim. Um, also not 
you know, as an uh, you know, as a as a proxy for the rebunishum because they participated together in creating this child, um, because it's not the biological parent, but they did so much for this child. How can that not be that element of of kibud avi? I mean, that would even exist by a ben noyach, even perhaps exist by a ger who was uh, who was uh, who was Megayer. So getting back, it seems it's interesting. Rambam Kanievsky writes the source for this Rambam is in that medrash by Terach. That Avram Avinu wasn't allowed to leave, or the Torah concealed the fact that Avram Avinu left Terach um, towards his old age in order to make his pilgrimage to Eretz Yisrael. That, uh, therefore, the Torah recorded the death of Terach prior to Avram Avinu leaving on his trip in order not to imply that Avram Avinu abandoned his father unnecessarily. He did so because the Kaddish Baruch Hu told him to do so, but it sounds like there was something wrong about it. So Reb Chaim Kanievsky explains that what, the, what uh, the, the source for the Rambam, that there's an obligation of Avim, even by Ben perhaps even by Aviv Russia, who doesn't keep the Torah in the mitzvahs, but nonetheless, there's this kind of hakaras hatoyv element is from that medrash that Avram Avinu, you know, were not for the fact that he was commanded by the Rebbeinu to make a pilgrimage to Eretz really should have not abandoned Terach his father towards the end of his life, because even though Terach was a Russia, there is this element of of kibud aviyim that is that is um, that goes you know that's kind of hakaras hatoyv related. Even though Avram Avinu was kind of like the first Jew and he converted, maybe he wasn't even related to Terach anymore. That's what Chaim Kenyevsi suggests. He was like the first convert. So then, uh, so he wasn't related to Terach. Nonetheless, there's this element of Kibbut Aviyim that goes above and beyond that. That's uh, in a relationship, and that's a kind of Hakaras HaToyv. So if Sternbach writes, as Ben Adam Mechavero. So if Sternbach writes in the Chubis Van Hogas, even if one will be uh, uh, lenient, like the Ramah, that there's no Kibbut Aviyim by Oviv Rasha, if the father, you know, so he doesn't keep the Torah in the mitzvahs. So a lot of today times today, people don't keep Torah in the mitzvah. It's not because of any, uh, you know, it doesn't imply anything about their personal uh, relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's the, they're just on the wrong journey. They weren't given the proper kalim to develop a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And however we feel about Tinoko Shenizbu in general should apply here too. And typically we don't, uh, we don't treat them as Rishoim in the, typical, in the typical sense. So of course that would apply to many people who have just uh, uneducated uh, parents or unaffiliated parents. But even if one would have a parent who is a Russia, who meets that qualification, meets that standard of not keeping the Torah in the mitzvahs despite their education, Sternbach writes, but if they're good people and they did a lot for this child, they loved the child, they took care of the child, there should be this element of kibbut aviyim, you know, that continues uh, to exist, even if technically they're not necessarily obligated in the uh, kind of kibbut aviyim that is ben adam lamakon. But this is all if the parent, right, is a uh, doesn't keep the Torah in the mitzvahs, but isn't necessarily abusive. Uh, harmful towards the child. It doesn't keep Torah and mitzvahs. He worships Havay Dezar. What if the parent, though, is abusive towards the child, be that uh, sexually, physically, emotionally, any, the whole spectrum kind of, of abusive behavior, um, would obligations of Kibbut Aviyim exist, you know, in that, in that setting? So everyone cites the Gemara um, with regards to... Uh, no, Dama Ben Nesina, where is that? Uh, uh, over here, Oisid Zayin. Kiyasar of Dimi Amar Pam Achas Hayelovish Sirkan Shalzav. The Gemara is discussing the fantastic Kibbut Aviyim of Dumb Benesina. So the Gemara tells one story with regards to the father. He wouldn't wake up the father in order to make this fantastic sale, but his mother wasn't too uh, healthy either. The mother um, um, was uh, used to rip his clothing in public, even when he was sitting with dignitaries, and would spit in his face. Rav Dimi recorded this about Dumb Benesina that he was once sitting in public with dignitaries, the mother ripped his clothing and spat in his face. And nonetheless, and he didn't respond. So it sounds like from here, a child is obligated to, you know, to endure kind of abusive behavior. Taisvus, though, on that Gemara, quotes a medrash, no, she wasn't well. 
she was a, she was mentally ill, and that's why he didn't respond. That's why he didn't respond, which implies that if you know the parent is mentally well, just abusive, that there'd be no obligation of keep it up. You can't necessarily derive from here. There is an obligation of keep it up. Here, the parent was simply uh, you know either mentally ill, maybe a deteriorated uh, you know, um, Alzheimer, dementia, so whatever it was. The parent was not was not healthy. Ramosha, the Dibras Moshe actually writes. It sounds like Dama Ben Asinas, both of his parents were not mentally well. That's why, what kind of father doesn't want to be woken up to make a sale? Where Moshe says, it must be, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't in Gansan. So, as a, and Dom Abinacina knew that about his parents. Or it so, seemed Dom yeah. also was like, <laughs> I don't know about Dom Abinacina <laughs> either, <right>? The whole family. But over here, if it's not, if she's not well, so that's why he didn't respond. And that goes to a famous Gemara Mesechtas Kiddush and Lamed from the base about Rav Asi. The Rav Asi had a mother who seems to engage in abusive behavior, but she wasn't well. So Gemara says Rav Asi had a mother who asked him to make her jewelry. He made her jewelry. She wasn't happy. Then she asked him to find a husband. Uh, he tried to find her husband. He wasn't able to find her husband. Then she said, I want a husband who's as handsome as you, implying that she wanted to have a relationship with her son. And then he said, you know what? I can't handle this. And he went to Territ Israel. But he endured it until it got, you know, to be a kibah ma'im So the Rambam writes, uh, based on that Gemara, with regards to Rav Asi, over here in Hilchazman, uh, uh, a person as a parent suffering from dementia, or Alzheimer's, whatever it is, um, or some other kind of mental illness, you should do what you can with the parent. If it gets to be too much, then the Rambam says, and Do as much as you can with mercy. If they're suffering, just, uh, you know, they're making your life too difficult, then you should delegate responsibility for the parent to someone else, and a person can, you know, can, uh, can leave the parent in their care. The Raiva disagrees, and he says, well, if you can't care for the parent, how is it going to be that someone else will be able to care for this parent? He says, if, he can, if you can't do it, why do you think that they're going to be able to do it? But that's not necessarily the case. Many disagree. We pass like the Rambam. You can at a certain point. If it becomes too much. Um, put the parent in the care of someone else. Because there are many things that it's just uncomfortable for the child to do for the parent. Or sometimes the child provokes or the parent provokes different responses within the child. That relationship itself is toxic. And therefore, many times it's helpful to kind of give the care over to, to someone else and for the child to, uh, to, to leave uh, that relationship. The Pisgay Riaz quotes this over here. So if a person has a parent, and this could be in any kind of uh, mental illness type of scenario, and oftentimes, I mean, I don't have that much experience, but it just makes sense that a lot of times uh, abusive behavior is related to mental illness in one of the, you know, one of the parties, and so on behalf of the parents. They're not bad people. They have bad They're giving him a hard time. You should do what you can, but at a certain point, maybe it's just better for the child to leave that relationship and to put it in the hands of professionals who know how to, to deal with this. The Rechashulchan makes another point, is that there sometimes you have to restrain a parent who is mentally ill. Certainly the child doesn't want to be engaged in that, and it might be better for the child to leave that uh, setting. And then he writes, which I thought was fantastic, um, not fantastic, but just I, I'm happy I found the Rechashulchan, and he says, if the father's not a Russia, if he's an addict, if he's an alcoholic, and that parental child relationship is toxic as a result of that, not as a result of mental illness, but as a result of addiction, better for the child to leave that relationship and leave them perhaps in the hands of professionals who know how to, to totally abandon them. doesn't seem to be you know, the, the proper attitude, but to leave them in the hands of professionals who know how to handle it certainly is something that's, that's, that's appropriate. The Sefer Chesidim has a fantastic um, comment on that. 
and how wonderful it is when brothers are able to live together, Gam Achim Gam is a Gematria Bonim. Gematria Bonim. To teach us, it's wonderful when parents and children are able to live in proximity and interact with one another. But he says, if they're fighting, they just can't get along. They just think, whatever it is, the relationship is a bad relationship. Better that they should leave one another. Sometimes that relationship, that interaction, even if the pair, whatever it is, not some other kind of mental illness, the relationship with the child is toxic, so then at a certain point, sometimes the child has to, has to, has to, uh, you know, has to leave the parent, but that's certainly quite different from abuse. If the parent, though, has an abusive attitude, so that's what the Yamsha Shlomo writes in that, in that Gemara Masechus Kedushim with regards to Dhamma Benesina, he says that was talking about where the parent wasn't well. So we know that if the parent's not well, you do the best you can, and if the relationship is toxic and is causing harm to you, so then you're able to, to leave the parent in the care of someone else, but if the parent is Meiroya Halev, look at the language of the Yamsha Shlomo over here, Oisid Zion, he says, if not, not that she was, uh, you know, miturefes bedaita, if it's meiroya halev, it's really coming as an, uh, you know, as an abusive in the behavior in the sense that the, the, the best interests of the child are not at heart. Not that they're misguided because of some kind of mental illness, but, they, you know, they don't have the best interests of the child at heart. Meiroya halev, then the child has no, under, no obligations of, of kibbit aviyem. Why? Why? There's a wonderful article about this by Dr. Ben-Sion Sirotskin, who quotes there from Rav David Kohn, that it's because um, of the general rule known as whenever it comes to a mitzvah, when of course is obligated to spend money on the mitzvah, but how much money you're obligated to spend on the mitzvah is up to a fifth of that which you have. More than a fifth you're not obligated to spend um, uh, on a mitzvah. And one's mental well-being is worth well more than a fifth of what one has. Ramayusha makes this point in the tshuva about a person who's in an institution and, you know, that could not be able to fulfill shayfa or megillah in the, in the uh, asylum or the institution or the hospital. Should you remove them from, you know, their care in order so they should perform megillah and shayfa? Ramayusha says, no, of course not, because you're going to set back their treatment significantly. And you have to start all over. So Ramayusha says, a mitzvah is not worth a person's mental health and mental well-being. So, so too, if a person, you know, is, uh, is being... Uh, abused by the parent and their mental health and mental well-being are at stake. Certainly their life might be at stake. You know, it could lead to suicidal behavior too. But even if it's just a mental health that's worth well more than fifth, one is not obligated to spend that much. Moreover, Reb David Cohen explained um, that the Gemara has in Masechus Kiddush and Halacha that Kibbut Aviyem is not the responsibility financially of the child, it's the responsibility financially of the parent. It's Mishel Av. The parent has to pay for the kibbutz aviyim, and over here you're asking the child to pay not financially, perhaps, but in emotional currency, um, and the, the the child is not obligated to endure that kind of emotional distress in order to fulfill kibbutz aviyim. Many times you have the an uh, abusive kind of relationship, and the child has to leave the parent, but it comes to a head when the parent passes away. and now they don't want to sit avelos. That's going to restart everything. So Avelos of uh, Yud Beis Chaydish, Avelos of Kaddish, that is for sure based on Kibbut Aviyim, um, so much so that the Ramah writes over here, uh, um, if a parent commands a child not to keep Shiva and Shloishim, you're not supposed to listen to them, you have to continue to keep Shiva and Shloishim, I forgot, oh yeah, and the Shach says, over here, on the second line of Yitzchak Dawud, if they command you not to keep Yitzchak Dawud, not to say Kaddish, you should listen to them. The parent can be Meichel, most parents are not, but can be Meichel on Yitzchak Dawud and saying Kaddish because that is predicated upon Kibbut Aviyem. So if it's predicated upon Kibbut Aviyem and the father is a Russia, the parent was in a Russia in the sense that they were abusive, 
not because they were mentally ill, they were abusive because they didn't have the best interest of the child at heart. The child does not feel you know, the need to recognize any kind of reciprocity over here for the Hakaras Hatoy, for that which the parent did, and it's La'achar Moisai. It's all based on Kibir Aviyeh. So then one would not be obligated to necessarily observe Yud Beis Chodesh or Kaddish for such a parent. Shiva and Shleishim, it sounds like you would be obligated, but even there, Rabbi Kiva Eger, and this is the way the Shev Yaakov Paskins, Rabbi Kiva Eger disagrees, and he says maybe even Shiva and Shleishim is not about covered of the Chayim, of the Avelim who are, who are here, or about respecting life in general. Maybe Shiva and Shleishim is also only about Kivit Aviyem, and a parent can be Mechel and Shiva and Shleishim. The Ramah disagrees, and he says no, the, that if the father's a Russia and he's not no, deserving of Kivit Aviyem. What's the difference between 12 or 3 and 3? It could be certain halachas of Avelus are to recognize the Avelim who are here, some are for the parent. Shiva and Shleishim seem to have nothing to do with Kivit Aviyem because by a brother, by a, a spouse, by a child, there's shiva and shleishim. There's no kibud of parents that are, are play into that. Yud Beis Chaydish is only for parents, seems to imply it's related to kibud aviyim. Shiva and shleishim are by all relatives, seems to have nothing to do with kibud aviyim. But even there, uh, Rabbi Kiva Eger quotes the opinions who are, who are lenient, and therefore, if a person feels that it's going to take too great of a toll for them to keep shiva, you know, to keep shiva or shleishim even, for a parent who was abusive, they wouldn't be obligated to do that. They're not obligated to honor them when they're alive, maybe not even after death. And Avelis itself is one of the mitzvahs that the general rule would apply. wouldn't be obligated um, you know, to, to, to keep, keep it at such a cost. I think it does need to be mentioned, though, that um, you know, there has to be a difference, between, just like we drew a line between mental illness and abusive parenting. There's bad parenting and abusive parenting. I'm not making light or condoning any kind of, uh, you know, of abusive behavior as just bad parenting, uh, but there is bad parenting. And it is, uh, I think the distinction needs to be drawn between the two. And every parent has a responsibility. The child should honor the parent. The parent has a responsibility to make sure he's not uh, too big of a burden on the children and uh, in order so that, uh, so that uh, everyone should be able to get along and to keep this very important mitzvah of keeping up the end.